0: Welcome to the Stonebridge Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor David Eldridge. As Matt mentioned, uh, yesterday was the last day of our three weeks of prayer, or excuse me, of fasting and dedication, and uh, hopefully uh, you were able to participate in some way, and you may be kind of going, What's, what was the big deal? I didn't feel anything, nothing's different, I didn't have any you know, mountaintop experiences, kind of what, what's the point? All spiritual disciplines, and fasting is part of that, spiritual practices, spiritual disciplines, whatever you wanna call them, they're ways of putting ourselves in a position to receive the grace of God, but God gets to decide how that grace is given to us. And so that's all that, That's all we're doing. When we fast, when we pray, when we read the Bible and we confess, all of those disciplines or practices, again, are just, they're intentional ways of, of opening ourselves up to God's grace. It's not putting you know, money in the vending machine and pushing the button and getting what you want. It's God, I'm making myself available and you, however you want to respond, you get to do that. So even if you didn't necessarily feel, feel different or feel like you walked away, you know, John walked away with this word about faithfulness and you may say, I, I don't have one of those. Don't be discouraged. You didn't do it wrong. God didn't not see you. He's just responding in a different way, and so I, I do hope that there's some uh, maybe carryover. So maybe one thing you can do next couple of days before those three weeks are too far in your rear view mirror, take a few minutes and just ask the Lord, say, is there anything you want me carrying forward from this? There may be nothing, but there may be something, either something in terms of your lifestyle or just like John was sharing, just a, a word of revelation or encouragement. And just ask him, is there something you want me carrying out of these three weeks? And if there's nothing, then that still doesn't mean you did it wrong. Again, we're just, we want to continually put ourselves in a position to receive the grace of God. And, and that's what we were doing. So again, thank you guys for participating in that. And I, I do hope that you'll be able to see fruit at some point. You can think of these things like fasting. You're just, you're making deposits. And at some point you'll be able to, you'll be able to look back and you'll see how the Lord has used that. And we'll just, we'll trust him with all of those things. So on Sundays, we've been talking about the daily activity of the Holy Spirit. That's super important, daily activity. And we've used three images. Water, he renews and restores. Fire, he, uh, he refines. And we said refining is both purifying our hearts, making us more like Jesus, and strengthening our faith, deepening our trust in the Father. And last week, we looked at the, as, at the Holy Spirit as oil, that he anoints us, or empowers us, to bear fruit that will last, or to do, another way of saying that is to do the work that the Father set aside for us to do. Today, I don't have a ton to share, just two summary thoughts as we wrap up this month of prayer dedication and again, looking at the daily activity of the Holy Spirit. And we'll circle back to this daily activity of the Spirit throughout the year in different ways. But just give you two things maybe to help summarize and wrap up and kind of put a bow on it as we move into um, into the next month. This is John 14, 16, just one verse today. And this is Jesus's, it's called his farewell discourse. So Judas is out of the picture. He's got the 11 other, dis, the other eleven disciples and he's preparing them for life without him. Not just for the arrest, as traumatic in that, as that would be for them, his arrest and his crucifixion and his death, that would have been completely, you know, turned their world upside down. But also, after his resurrection and he ascends into heaven for the rest of their life where he's not gonna be physically present with them. So what he shares in John, really starting in John 14, 15, 16, 17, is preparation, again, for their time without him, both what's about to happen in the next few hours and then what will happen in 50-something days from when he's saying it, preparing them for life without him physically present. And he says this in verse 16, and I will ask the Father, and the Father will give you another advocate, to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The spirit of truth is one of the ways that the Holy Spirit is is described in, in John. I will give you, I will ask the Father and the Father will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever, the spirit of truth, who is the Holy Spirit. So again, just two things really briefly. One, summarizing the daily activity of the Holy Spirit using just those two words. He's another advocate. Your Bible may say counselor, it may say, helper. Um, it may say comforter. It, if you have an older translation, uh, that may be kind of a tricky word to translate, but it's clear what it means. It, it means someone who's called alongside to help or called alongside to give aid. That's what that word advocate means. One called alongside to help or called alongside to give aid. And that's a description of who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. And Jesus says, another advocate, which implies that they already have one, and that's him. So he, the role that he is currently playing in the lives of the Holy Spirit, what he's saying is, I'm gonna leave, again, not just these next three days when I've been arrested and when I'm in a tomb, but 50 days after my resurrection, when I'm ascended into heaven, I'm gonna send you some, the Father's gonna send you someone else like me to take my place, if we can say it that way. And that's the Holy Spirit. So we could say the daily activity or the ongoing activity of the Holy Spirit in our life is to carry on the ministry or to carry on the work of Jesus. And that's the work of Jesus to the world and the work of Jesus to the church. So it would be, I would say, accurate to say, the Holy Spirit carries on the work of Jesus to the world and to the church. So when we're thinking about the, the work of Jesus in the world, we mentioned this last week, Jesus' sermon in Nazareth in Luke chapter four, he's in the synagogue, it's kind of his opening statement about this, this is what I'm going to do, and he begins reading from Isaiah where he says, the Isaiah says, the spirit of the Lord is on me, and then Jesus lists some things, to preach good news to the poor, to Proclaim freedom for the captives to open the eyes of the blind. And what I said, and I said, y'all don't certainly don't have to agree with me, but I think Jesus did what he did, not because he was divine, although he was, but as a man who was empowered by the Holy Spirit. I think that's the point of Luke four. He's saying it's the, it's the Holy Spirit who's anointed me, empowered me to do these things that you're about to see me doing over the next two and a half or three years Jesus says in John 15 that we would do greater things than him. It's not that Jesus did B-level work and we're gonna do A-level work. It's not different in terms of quality, but it is different in terms of quantity. When the son of God became a man, he took on the limitations of humanity. He had a body. He could only be in one place at one time. He got tired. He got hungry. He couldn't work 24 hours in a day. He could only do what he could do as one anointed man. Man, there's two billion Christians in the world, even if only half of them are actively following Jesus, that's a, that's a whole lot of people to be anointed by the same Spirit to carry on this work. It's greater in terms of quantity, not quality. The Holy Spirit carries on the work of Jesus through the church, which is us. He anoints us to do those good works that the Father's created in advance for us to do. So what's the Holy Spirit's daily activity? Part of it carrying on the ministry of Jesus through the church, or we could say, he comes alongside us. He comes alongside us to help us minister to others, if you like saying it that way, that using that word advocate. He also carries on the ministry of Jesus to us, to the church, and you can personalize that, to, to you and to me. And that's some of those words that we've been talking about, you can fit under that umbrella of comes alongside to help us. He refreshes us and renews us and restores us. He refines us. He anoints us. Some other things that you see about him in the New Testament. He he, uh, guides us or leads us. He communicates the love of the Father to us. He reminds us or convinces us that we have indeed been adopted into God's family and that we're his sons and that we're his daughters. It's the kinds of things that the Holy Spirit does. It's how he's ministering to the church, carrying on again this ministry of Jesus. When you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you see the way Jesus is interacting with the 12. The Holy Spirit has taken on that ministry. Again, he's the one who comes alongside us as another advocate, someone who's doing the work of Jesus now that Jesus has ascended to the Father. Does that make sense? So when you're thinking about the daily activity of the Holy Spirit, another advocate, another so he's like Jesus, carrying on that work, advocate, one who comes alongside us to help us, to love and to serve and to bless others. That's the ministry to the world and to, do, to, to refresh us and to refine us and to anoint us and all those different things that we talked about. That's his ministry to the church. But if you can't remember all of that, you can remember he comes alongside me to help me fulfill this ministry of Jesus. For us, one word for us. Thinking about if that's the daily activity of the spirit, what's our daily responsibility? And it's found in that word advocate. Advocate's one who's, it's one who's called alongside and so we need to call. We need to ask him to get involved in our life. We need to ask him for help. And that sounds super simple, but many of us don't. We just don't. And maybe for some, it's rooted in pride. We have this part of us that wants to do our own thing and go our own way, go our own way and call our own shots and make our own decisions and decide what's right and wrong and good and bad and how we're gonna use what we have. And that, that's in us for sure. And for some of us, that keeps us from calling on the Holy Spirit for help because the calling him for help is to acknowledge that we can't do it on our own. And we don't like that. So that totally could be there. I think for most of us, the bigger issue is we don't call on him for help because we're not used to calling on him for help. It's not part of our routine. And so because it's not part of our routine, it's not part of our routine. We don't do it. It's just, it, we don't even think about it unless things are going completely off the rails. Like if, if it's a dumpster fire, then we recognize I need help. But short of that, we just kind of plow along. We're competent People, we can do whatever it is that you're doing. You're probably pretty good at doing it. And so unless you're in a brand new role, those first couple of weeks where you're nervous, new setting, new role, those first couple of weeks, most of us, we get, we get pretty comfortable pretty fast. We gotta figure it out. And then we lose sight of, actually, there, there are resources in that are available to me and I'm not calling on those. Just a a bit of a pause here. So this is where some language and imagery can break down for us. To say that we call the Holy Spirit alongside of us, so if I call Chad alongside of me, he's gonna get up and come here. He's external to me and he's gonna come stand next to me. The Holy Spirit lives within us and it's like, how does that work? If he lives within me, then how am I calling him alongside to me? And I would just say yes to all of that. there's, There's limitations to the language and there's truth in all of it. The Holy Spirit lives in you. He's a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance. He doesn't come and go. If we can say it this way, he's a permanent possession of those who are following Jesus. And we call out to him. That's his name, one who comes alongside. So yes, yes. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, but just don't get hung up too much on that language. There's a little bit of tension there, but there's truth in both of those uh, understandings. And so my encouragement to you is really simple. I would say just make it part of your routine. Call on the Holy Spirit to come come alongside you. Set a reminder on your phone if that's the way that works for you. When you've got three to five minutes and in that three to five minutes, Holy Spirit, I'm calling on you to come alongside me. I want you to be my advocate, the one who's bringing me help. And you may say, well, what am I asking him to help me with? And I would say you're asking him to help you with anything that matters to you. That's where we can start. That's another reason many of us don't ask for help is because we think most of our lives are not a concern to God. You may think someone like me or someone like these wham—I uh, was going to say kids—that may be insulting. Y'all are probably older than kids. These wham, young men and women. You may say, "Well, y'all need to ask God for help because you're doing churchy things," but I'm—I'm I'm an accountant, or whatever it is that you're doing. It doesn't—it doesn't fit under the umbrella of of the way God works. And so it's not, I went to school for this, I've got experience in this and it really, it all burns anyway. So you don't even think about asking the Holy Spirit to help you and that's not true. It's not true. If it matters, this is where we're gonna start. If it matters to you, ask him to help you do it. If you care about your work, whether or not you see it as having kingdom value, if you care about your work, ask him to help you do it. If you're staying home with your children, ask him to help you do it. If you're retired, however it is you're spending your time, ask him to help you do those things. We have, again, the the resources of God. So why would we choose to live life without them? Ask him for help. Make that part of your regular routine. What that begins to do, here's the theological word, it begins to sanctify your day. You're inviting the Holy Spirit to help you do these things that may not feel very holy. And when his his holiness impacts whatever that is, it makes that thing holy. It consecrates it, it sanctifies it. And that's, that's it's what you want. It's what we want. So his daily activity in our life, he's another advocate. He comes alongside us to bring us help. Help in ministry to the world and help in all these other areas that we've been talking about. Ministry to the church, to me and to you. Our daily responsibility is to call on him, to actually ask him to come alongside us. And again, let's start with whatever it is you're doing that matters to you. We're gonna take communion as we close, but here's a long on-ramp to that. This word, surrender, that's a word that we often use when we think about our relationship with the Holy Spirit. It could be really helpful. I'm not necessarily calling on the Holy Spirit to help me do my thing my way. Oh, that's better than not. Something is better than nothing. It's better to call on him to help than to not call on him at all. And ultimately, where we wanna get is, is a place of surrender. To surrender, you can think of that in two ways. One is to stop fighting. And that's that internal part of us that wants to be our own boss, go our own way, make our own decisions. That's in us. I surrender, God, I'm not gonna fight you anymore. Jesus, you're the king, you're the Lord. God, you're my father. I'm gonna surrender. To surrender can also mean to give over or hand over something to someone else. Surrender this to you. And both of those are really helpful for us as we think about maturing in our walk with the Holy Spirit surrender i'm not going to fight you i want to be led by you and guided by you and directed by you but also i want to give you i want to give you whatever these things are and that's what that for us can be a little bit tricky so this may be harsh but you can wear the shoe if it fits for some of us i was thinking about this particularly with time and money for some of us we give some in order to not have to give all does that make sense This is not what we're doing, but it's what we're doing. We're paying God off. We're giving him a cut. You can have 5% or 10% or 12% and I, and that way you stay out of the rest. You can have 30 minutes or 45 minutes or an hour and then you stay out of the rest. We're, We're not intentionally saying you're staying out of the rest, but that's what's going on in here because we haven't fully surrendered. We haven't said it's all yours, 100% 100% is yours and you tell me how much I get to keep or 100% is yours and you tell me how to spend it thinking about time. So that that's growth for us 100%. That's not a snap decision and honestly as you get more it becomes harder to surrender. You have you have more to give up. The more you have the more you have to lose. And so as and that's in everything Those of you who at this point are unattached, it's easy to say, I surrender my life fully to you. That can become more difficult when you get married. It can get more difficult as you add children to the mix. I'm not just surrendering me. Now I'm surrendering these other ones that I feel responsible for. And those are all steps for us. It's one thing to surrender when you're, I surrender all my money. I make $8 an hour. You can have it all. That's a big deal for the more, the more you get, the more you have to surrender and the easier it is to just give him a portion. You get X percent or X dollar amount. I got the rest. So there's a a challenge there for us. This ongoing, we don't arrive, it's this ongoing process. And this is something, as you do this for a while, you'll realize, and some of you already have, he puts his finger and you say, well, I thought I already surrendered that. And he says, well, you did as much as you knew at the time, but there's more. It's a deeper cut, which doesn't negate what you did five years ago or 10 years ago, it's just a calling deeper. And the idea of surrender, it, stirs all those fears that we have and the trust issues and the lack of control. What's he gonna do with it? All that stuff comes up. And to be able to say to him, I'm I'm not just, I'm gonna quit fighting you, but I'm gonna, it's all yours. I'm giving you all of this. It becomes that from that place that I'm, I'm calling on the Holy Spirit to come alongside me and help me. And he'll help me in that surrender as well. I don't have to do that on my own. Holy Spirit, help me surrender. I'm calling on you to help me do that. Part of his job is to guide us into the truth. Holy Spirit, would you guide me more deeply into the truth that God is my good father and I can trust him with whatever these things are that are precious to me. It's easy to give up stuff you don't care about. These things that are precious to me. So this is what I want us to do. I have a prayer on the screen. It's kind of long. So y'all stay seated and we're gonna pray it out loud together. And then we're gonna take communion. And the way we'll do that, you'll come forward a row at a time, break off a piece of bread and dip it in the juice. There's gluten-free bread here. And this is the picture in my mind is we're coming forward and laying things down. We're surrendering here. We'll say metaphorically at the cross. And then we're receiving back that there's an exchange that takes place here. We're not just breaking off bread and dipping it in juice there's a spiritual exchange. God, I'm, I'm surrendering this specifically, whatever that is, as we go through the prayer, some things will probably come to your mind. And then I'm asking, Holy Spirit, for you to come alongside me and to help me in that area of my life. Does that make sense? So communion reminds us Jesus' death and resurrection. Romans 5, the love of God was shown in this while we were still sinners Jesus died for us, so this this is the context for surrender. It's not God demanding. It's, this is one who loves me enough to send his son to die for me, so surely I can trust him with these things. It's an invitation from him. And so we do that in the context, again, of his, of his love. And also it's a recognition of the provision that he's made for us, not just for the forgiveness of our sins, but how much, if he's forgiven you of, of your sins, if he sent his son for you, how much more will he not give you dot, 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 dot. And so this this reminds us of both of those realities. So um, we're going to pray. I'm going to say a little prayer and then we're going to pray this prayer together. Then y'all come forward and take communion and we'll have ministry teams here on the side. You may want to kneel. At the altar, or you may want to get prayer. And I would encourage you, if God is stirring something, and you saying it out loud can be helpful. So going to somebody and saying, "I feel like God is calling me to surrender this," and they'll just pray super briefly that God would give you grace to do that. Sometimes again, just just verbalizing it can be really helpful. Or I need help in this area, and they'll just pray for the Holy Spirit to come alongside you in that. Nobody's going to counsel you or tell you what to do. We're just going to will agree with what you're sensing the Lord leading you to do. So I'm gonna say a prayer and then we'll do this. If you're helping with communion, if you come and take your spot as well. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would come now and lead us as we pray this prayer of surrender. We don't want these to just be words. We pray that you would be softening our hearts We pray that you would guide us more deeply into the truth of who the Father is, that the one we're surrendering to is trustworthy. Holy Spirit, we ask you to come alongside us and help us in these moments. Okay, let's start with that first word. Father, I thank you for being my rock and my refuge, the one I can lean on and run to. Thank you for being a good father, whom I can trust with all of my life. Thank you for demonstrating your love for me by sending Jesus to die in my place in order to make reconciliation with you possible. As I take this communion, I surrender my whole self to you, my heart, my mind, my will, my emotions, my body, and my desires. I surrender every person in my life to you. I surrender every situation in my life to you. I surrender my time, my money, and my energy to you. I surrender my past, my present, and my future to you. I surrender to you every concern I have, every fear I have, every doubt I have, all confusion I have all sadness I have, each wound I have, and all anxiety and worry. We're gonna pause right here, and if something very specific comes to mind, just, and you're willing, just surrender that to him. As I've emptied myself and surrendered everything to you, I ask you now, Father, to fill me with your Holy Spirit and all the gifts and fruit of your Spirit. Holy Spirit, Come alongside me to help me with. You just name those specific things. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Stonebridge Church sermon of the week.